Amen. What a blessing. There are no orphans of God. Isn't that good? Okay, I'd like you to take your Bibles this morning to Leviticus, please. Leviticus chapter 18. Appreciate uh, Greg reading for us Ephesians. We'll get there later, the end of the message, but Leviticus chapter 18. Before we read our passage, I just want to pray for Trish and for others that are sick. Appreciate seeing Trish and Daryl this morning. Wasn't sure that we'd see you, but uh, you're here and bless, bless the Lord for that. I want to pray specifically for Trish this morning that she be able to get up to Bundaberg this week. They're hoping to go up and spend a few days at their beach house and what a blessing that they're able to do that. Uh, Dr Sterling has made specific preparations for them to be able to do that. And I'm going to pray Trish specifically that the Lord give you opportunity to talk to Peter and Anki this week. It may be for such a time as this that the Lord has allowed you to go one more time. We don't know, but the Lord has given you to us one week after another. And you've been a strength to the brethren here. And Brother Darrell was telling me the other day how, you know, he sees you at the hospital receiving treatment and the next thing he sees you helping another lady at the hospital to cope with cancer and to cope with the fact that, you know, she's ill as well as Trish. And I know you've helped Pat here and others. And I just want to thank the Lord for that. And uh, strengthen the brethren, you know, strengthen the things which remain is our theme this year. And Sister Trish has been a strength to us. Well, the Lord has helped her to be a strength to us. So let's pray specifically, shall we? That this week, this, the couple that I mentioned, Peter and Anki, live right next to the beach house up at, up at uh, Bundaberg. And uh, when Rhonda and I were there, we had opportunity to witness to them. Daryl and Trish have witnessed to them. But uh, they need the Lord. They need to be saved. And so let's pray specifically that Daryl and Trish may get opportunity to witness to them one more time. Okay, let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, this morning we just want to rejoice together as brethren that you are with us, you're in our midst, and we're not orphans, we're in your family. Lord, we want to thank you that uh, you desire to strengthen your brethren, to strengthen the things which remain, as you said to Peter, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Lord, we want to thank you this morning specifically for Sister Trish, how you've used her over the past few years to strengthen your people, to encourage us in the faith, to press on no matter what the dark circumstances around us are, no matter what the pain we're going through, but to with poise and with grace to remain focused and to look to the Lord Jesus, to be thankful for all things even for cancer. And so, Lord, we just want to commit Trish and Daryl to you this morning as they go to Bundaberg, and we pray that they may have a blessed time. And, Lord, that specifically they may be able to witness to Peter and to Anki one more time. Lord, that you might use their words to speak to this dear couple up there in Bundaberg. And we'll thank you for what you'll do. Lord, guide us as we look at, at your word now, we pray, and we'll thank you for what you'll do in our midst. 
We commit our pastor to you as he travels back very soon from America and we pray your blessing upon him. Thank you that Brother Danny is back safely. Lord, we just ask for your help now and your guidance in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Leviticus chapter 18 this morning and verse 3. Verse 3. This is a strange verse. I'm going to read it and then we'll uh, have a look at it. It says, after the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein ye dwelt, shall ye not do. And after the doings of the land of Canaan, whither I bring you, shall ye not do. Neither shall ye walk in their ordinances. I don't know what comes to you when you see certain words, but some words evoke different reactions, don't they? This is the first reference in the Bible where the word doings is. You check for yourself afterwards, but this is the first reference to the word doings. Doing is used a few times before this, but doings, the actual plural of that word. And I don't know, what, what do you think when you think of the word doings? To me, and you might think I'm gross, but... That's okay. You've been thinking that for years. And I'm not even going to speak about sheep. (laughs) But the word doings evokes all sorts of images in my mind and generally it's to do with dogs and what they leave behind on the lawn or out in the paddock or wherever they go, you know. Dogs, doings. And, uh, you know, I don't have any great fond sort of thoughts about dog doings. Dog doings are things that have got to be got rid of, don't they? Uh, You you see people walking down the street or in the park and they have to carry, and I'm glad that the council requires of us to do that, to carry a plastic bag with you. And when your dog does his business or his doings, you have to get your plastic bag out of your pocket and put your hand inside the jolly thing and reach down and scoop it up and take it with you and put it in the bin. I'm glad that the council requires of us to do that because there's nothing worse than dog doings around the park or on the sidewalk or in your backyard. And I know for many of you, the job is at the end of the week or during the week, you have to take the shovel, don't you, and collect up the dog doings and put them in the bin. We don't like them around the place. And that, I'm afraid, is what, ev- what my mind thinks of when I see the word doings. And I wonder, you know, whether God thinks similarly about the doings that he speaks about here. The children of Israel are out of Egypt. They're at Mount Sinai at the point where this is spoken. And uh, God is giving them instruction through Moses and uh, he's about to receive the law or, you know, the the law as uh, it's given to him and write it all down, the statutes and the ordinances that God desires for the children of Israel. He's rescued them out of Egypt. He did mighty miracles brought all those plagues, etc., upon Egypt and he rescued them with a mighty hand, the scripture says. And here he has them at a point where he's wanting to instruct them in the way that they should go. And he says this, 
to them. He says, after the doings of Egypt, the customs, you might say, of the Egyptians, at the end of the chapter, look at verse 30, verse 30. It says, therefore shall ye keep mine ordinance that ye commit not any one of these abominable customs. So the Lord called them customs even, these doings. Called them customs. The word doing simply means acts or actions. Okay? Acts or actions. And he says, after the doings of Egypt, I don't want you to do, shall ye not do. And after the doings of the land of Canaan, whither I bring you. It was another 40 years nearly before they got to Canaan from this point where he speaks these words. But he says, after the doings of Egypt, where you've been, where you've come out of, and after the doings of the land of Canaan, where I'm going to take you. In other words, after the customs of those people of Egypt, where you've been. You know all about them, he says. And after those customs, he's even called them abominable. He says, you shall not do. And he says, the land where I'm taking you to, they do the same things. Similar. Perhaps in a little different vein in some places, but same sorts of things. He says, I'm telling you about it now. You haven't got there yet. But I'm telling you, the doings of the land of Canaan, I don't like. They like dog doings. They need to go in the bin, wrapped in plastic, put away. Whoa, this is sort of interesting stuff, isn't it? Now, we're not going to read the whole chapter, but I'm just going to list out the doings here. And uh, as I list them out, you know, you can read them later. Read, when you read it, read chapter 18, read chapter 19, read chapter 20. You'll see that they're sort of elaborated on as you go through those next chapters. But basically, he's just talking about incest, incestuous relationships. He talks about adultery. He talks about idolatry in verse 21. And he specifically called, uh, names one idol, Molech. And he gives much more detail about Molech in, in chapter 20. And then sodomy or homosexuality is spoken about in verse 22. And then 23, bestiality, bestiality. So it's a real list, isn't it, of things that are done or were done in the land of Egypt, where, you, where I brought you from, and in the land of Canaan, where I'm taking you to. And you get to think about it. Australia's kind of like that, isn't it? In fact, very much like that. We've plunged into that rapidly over the last few years in a big way. And the Lord says, after these abominable customs, ye shall not do. Ye shall not do. Folks, when you look at the TV, all those things that I've listed there are kind of spoken of as normal, aren't they? Normal. I don't watch much TV. I just can't. But I like to watch the cricket like Pastor does, you know. And just watching the ads in between the overs 
is enough to tell me that I can't watch anything else. I just cannot believe all the jolly, um, what do you call it? Reality shows that are not reality, that are on and perpetrated, you know? Seven-year itch and seven-year switch, and that's just adultery, folks. That's all it is. Brethren, don't watch that stuff. If you're of use to watch that stuff, don't. Switch it off. Pick up your Bible. Read something wholesome. It's hard to find something wholesome on TV to watch. The most wholesome thing to watch is is uh, David Attenborough's Life of the Planet, you know. And then you can't watch that because it's all evolution. <laughs> you know, the, the photography's fantastic. Incredible. If you can block out the evolutionary garbage, well, the rest is great. But frankly, you can't find much. Yesterday, as I was watch, trying to watch the cricket and it wasn't there, I flicked through and I found something on agriculture and robots in agriculture. I thought, oh, that's interesting. I'll watch that for a little bit. And the, the world is, we're progressing fast, you know, in uh, technology and stuff. And there's some stuff like that is, that is good. But brethren, as a whole, you cannot watch TV as a wholesome Christian. Because you watch that, you're just watching the doings of Australia, the doings of America. And they're just no different than the doings of Egypt and the doings of Canaan. Brethren, I hope that by the end of this message, if I can sort of just get something into our head. You know, the Lord Jesus used many likenesses, didn't he? He called us like sheep. He called us like this or like that. Brethren, if I can sort of get us into our psyche to think, whenever you think of adultery, you think of a dog doing. I'll have achieved something. And you think, yuck. If that's how God thinks of it, then yuck. It needs to go in the bin. Incest, bestiality, sodomy. It needs to go in the bin. I don't care how you think, how your you know, whatever your sexual proclivities are or, or propensities are, if you just line it up with the scripture and you see it's wrong, no matter how much I feel like a girl when I'm a boy, I'm a boy, okay, I'm a man, I'm not a girl. No matter what I begin to think or my mind tells me, I'm not a girl, I'm not a woman, I'm a man. I've sired seven children. I can't be a woman. And the world tries to tell me, Robin, if you want to change and be a woman, well, you can be a woman. (laughs) Baloney! It's not true. And no matter what you hear at school, kids, whatever boy is parading around as a girl, he's not a girl, he's a boy. God made them male and female. Keep it that way. Brethren, we can kid ourselves. We watch that garbage on TV and we can kid ourselves that it's all right. It's the customs of Australia. It's the customs that everybody does now. It's garbage. It's dog doings is what it is. And it needs to be shoved in a bag and shoved in the bin. And one day it's going to all burn in hell. 
Brethren, that's how God looks upon it. He doesn't look upon it as nice. Oh, we dress it all up as nice and it's all just fancy and all the rest of it. But it's not. It's ugly. It's sin. And he calls it doings here. Come with me. I'm going to give you a few verses. Deuteronomy 28. That was the first reference with that word doings in it. The second reference is in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 20. So they just received, they were receiving the law there at Sinai. And here at Deuteronomy 28, so this, these, these verses are written or the, recorded sort of 40 years apart, all right? God gave them that ordinance or gave them that, that verse, gave them that saying back there in, in, uh, just after they'd got out of Egypt. Here in Deuteronomy 28, they were just about to go in to the land of, of, uh, of Israel. Moses was just about to die. He'd been their preacher for 40 years. And here he's preaching his final messages to them. And uh, in verse 20, verse 20, the chapter is sort of a blessing and a cursing. He lays before them a blessing if you follow me and serve me and a curse if you don't. Basically, that's the chapter, all right, in a nutshell. And in verse 20, he says, The Lord shall, and this is the section of cursing, the Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation and rebuke in all that thou settest thine hand unto for to do until thou be destroyed and until thou perish quickly because of the wickedness of thy doings whereby thou hast forsaken me. So he says to them, look, if you follow me, I'll bless you mightily. But if you don't, I'll curse you because of your doings. This is the second reference with that word doings in the Bible. Come with me to the next one. Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2. I urge you to write them down and look at them later. Think about them in the context of the time over which they're spoken about. Judges chapter 2 and verse 19. Now they're in the land. They were first given it back at Sinai. They were told where they'd come from, where they're going to. Then they were told just before they went into the land, this is afterwards, they're in the land. This is the third reference with the word doings. And it came to pass, verse 19, when the judge was dead, that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. They ceased not from their own doings, nor from their stubborn way. Brethren, it's a sad commentary. It's a sad commentary that God gave such clear instructions to the children of Israel. He gave them such clear directions. He gave them such a clear choice. They followed for a bit. And then they went after their own doings. The doings of the land of Canaan, the doings of Egypt, they just went after it. Brethren, God gives us a clear choice, very clear choice. Will you walk with me? Will you serve me? Or will you choose 
the way of the world. The way that's portrayed on TV in front of us every day and every night. If you watch that stuff, that's the way you'll go. It's the way you'll go. Come with me to uh, Second Chronicles. 2 Chronicles now. We missed one reference. I'll give you the reference. It's 1 Samuel 25 and verse 3. 1 Samuel 25 and verse 3, as we go to 2 Chronicles chapter 17. 2 Chronicles 17, 4. The reference in, in Samuel talks about a man in Israel whose name was Nabal. It talks about his wife, Abigail, who was a lovely woman, a woman who loved the Lord. But her husband, Nabal, it says was churlish, and evil in his doings. Evil in his doings. So there it gives us a, an example of one man. And it specifically says he was evil in his doings. Come with me now to Second Chronicles 17. This is the fifth. I've, I've just gone just, just verse by verse, which is, has shown us that word, doings, okay? This is the fifth reference of doings in the Bible, in the Old Testament. 2 Chronicles chapter 17 and verse 4. It's an interesting testimony of, an, of a king here. The king's name is Jehoshaphat. He's the king of Judah. And uh, I'm not sure how many he is from David, but he's a few down the line from David. Jehoshaphat was largely a good king. Largely, I say. And it says here, a great testimony about him. It says, but sought to the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. So the ten northern tribes had been split off, remember, back under Rehoboam's, Rehoboam's time, excuse me, and uh, they had gone after uh, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Jeroboam became their king and he separated the ten northern tribes from Judah and Benjamin back at, uh, near Jerusalem. And, uh, and, and the whole time of the children of Israel, the top ten tribes, they never had a good king. Not one. Not one. You'll, if you read it through, pretty well all of them, it says, went after the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which made Israel to sin. Terrible, isn't it? Terrible commentary. And here, so the doings of Israel are like the doings of Egypt and the doings of Canaan, which God pitched out of the land. You know, back there in, 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 in Leviticus 18, it, the Lord says, I will spew those nations out or spew the Canaanites out of the land. In fact, the land will spew them out because of their doings. Interesting, isn't it? How long? I ask the question, how long? before Australians will be spewed out of Australia because of the doings that we're involved in. Brethren, it behooves us more and more as brethren to strengthen the things which remain and not go after the doings of the world. Jehoshaphat here walked not after the doings of Israel. It's a great testimony there. Sadly, he did meddle with Ahab at times. Ahab was king of Israel at the time and, 
And I'll show you in a little bit that Ahab was one of the wickedest kings Israel had. I don't know what Jehoshaphat was thinking about. Probably he was thinking sort of vainly, oh, I'll win him to the Lord, you know, if I spend time with him. But I'll just sort of uh, uh, just show you one verse, chapter 18 and verse 1. Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honour in abundance and joined affinity with Ahab. Jehoshaphat went to war with Ahab once and, uh, and some of his children married some of the children of Ahab, sadly. Even though as a whole Jehoshaphat was a good king, yet some of his kids went and married into Ahab's family and it didn't work out good. So we've looked at doings. We're going to sort of leave doings behind now for a little bit and uh, uh, I'll just mention, you know, the, 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 the Old Testament goes on and the prophets mention doings, specifically Jer- Jeremiah. Jeremiah says, amend your ways and your doings. A few times Jehos- uh, uh, Jeremiah says that. Ezekiel mentions doings. Is- is- Isaiah mentions doings. But when you come to the New Testament... There's not one reference with the word doings in the New Testament. Interesting. I thought, why? Doing is there, doing singular, but doings plural is not. It seems to me that it changes from doings to the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh are manifest and it lists out all those doings, adultery, etc. Okay. So really, I think it just sort of switches over to the word works in the New Testament, basically. Okay? And uh, we may look at that a bit uh, afterwards. But, all right. Basically, this morning, I want to give you a, uh, a challenge. Am I a doing or am I a being? Come back with me now to, to Leviticus. Back, back with me to Leviticus now, and I'm going to sort of take you on another Another sort of walk through the Bible uh, and we'll end up at Ephesians where Greg read for us. But Leviticus chapter 11. Leviticus chapter 11 is our start. Beings or doings. If you want a, uh, a title for the message this morning, am I a being or am I a doing? Am I a being or am I a doing? You see, the Lord doesn't want us to be doing. To be uh, doing the things of Egypt or doing the things of Canaan or doing the things of Australia right now. The Lord wants us to what? He wants us to be holy. Be holy. wants us to be a being. Be holy. Have a look at chapter 11 and verse uh, 44. The first reference where he says, I want you to be holy. So, you know, when the Lord says don't do something, he always wants to replace it with something else, doesn't he? You can't live life in a vacuum. You know, you get rid of something out of your life and you can't remain sort of just in a vacuum with that gone. We're people that need to be filled. And we need to be filled with God, really, filled with the Holy Spirit. 
So he gives us direction. He gives the, gave the children of Israel very clear direction. He says, for I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves. So set yourselves apart is what he's saying here. And ye shall be holy for I am holy. Now I know you'd be saying, oh, Brother Robin, how do you do that? Well, you can't. Get the difference? You can't. You can do. You can do and be corrupt. But you can't do and be holy. You've just got to be. Well, how do you do that? Well, you can't do. <laughs> you just got to be. And really, it's just meaning be in God. And let him be through you. Let's just read through. Verse 35, for I, 45, for I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt. See, God did it. He brought them out of Egypt. They couldn't do that themselves, could they? They'd still be there if they tried to rescue themselves out of Egypt. And you and I would still be in our sin if we tried to rescue ourselves. We tried for years, didn't we? We tried to clean ourselves up. Perhaps. Or we just went into it more and more, into the doings of the land, to the doings of our families. We could do nothing about it until God rescued us out. God rescued them out of Egypt. He said, I brought you out. The Lord, for I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. <coughs> Ye shall therefore be holy. For I am holy. It's not doing. It's being. It's being. Being. Being in God. Being with God. Walking with God. Being separate. Being sanctified. In fact, he says, sanctify yourselves. Set yourself apart unto me. Okay. Come on. To uh, chapter 19, chapter 19, after, the, after chapter 18 where it spoke about doings, chapter 19 and verse 2, like I said, read through these chapters slowly and take in what God is saying. See the abominable customs he's talking about in more detail in chapter 19 and chapter 20. But here in chapter 19 and verse 2, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I the Lord your God am holy. Three verses now that he says be holy, for I am holy. When something's repeated, it's, it's important, isn't it? If we can't grasp it the first time, the second time, the third time, he gives us a fourth one. Chapter 20, chapter 20 in verse 7. In fact, he gives them at least five verses in Leviticus alone with the command, be holy, for I am holy. Here in, ch in chapter 20 in verse 7, sanctify yourselves therefore and be ye holy, for I the Lord, for I am the Lord your God, for I am the Lord your God. Drop down now to, to verse 26 of chapter 20. 
verse 26 of chapter 20. And ye shall be holy unto me, for I the Lord am holy and have severed you from other people that ye should be mine. Wow, five times now in one book in Leviticus, ye shall be holy unto me, for I the Lord am holy and have severed you from other people that ye should be mine. I paid the price for you. I brought you out of Egypt with a mighty hand. You could not do that yourself. Now, if I am your God, then be my people. Be my people. It's easy to drift back. It's easy to drift back. In fact, they wanted to go back, didn't they, many a time. And folks, you and I will come up against the same urges and the same surges and we'll sort of think, oh, this is hard, you know. I just, I just want to go back to what I was. I just want to go back into my sin. In fact, you can. You can. You can go back. You can do it, but don't think you'll be happy in it. Oh, you can go back. You can enjoy it again. But I tell you what, you'll be as miserable as anything. He says, I want you to just be holy. Grasp a hold of the fact that I've rescued you with my mighty hand and now just be holy. You don't have to strive to do, just be hard to grasp isn't it but it doesn't just end here in the in the in Leviticus come with me to to first Peter chapter 1 first Peter chapter 1 Peter is uh, well he's probably near the end of his life now when he when he writes this book and and Peter had a tumultuous time as a as a young Christian he was up he was down he went back for a time back fishing he said, it's not worth it. I give up. I quit and I'm going back. We know that Peter denied the Lord three times at the crucifixion or just before the crucifixion. But he got back on track. He got back on track and he finished well. He finished well. First Peter chapter 1 and verse uh, uh, Well, let's start from verse 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. In other words, not going back and being a doing. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. Five times it was written in Leviticus, wasn't it? Five times. Peter draws from and says, see, it was written back then. It hadn't changed. The things of God don't change. The world thinks they've found a new thing, but they haven't found a new thing. They've just found an old doing. And they're walking in it. The doings of Egypt and the doings of Canaan. The idolatry. Oh, it takes different forms. Still the same old Molech, really. You know, Molech was a hideous idol. He was a, he was a half man, half cow, bull's head and a man's sort of figure. 
And then they'd, they'd make up these images of Molech and they'd, uh, they'd put his hands like this, a big brass statue of Molech or a big brass sort of a, a cavern really and uh, with, his, with, his, with his head of uh, a cow and, and his arms sort of like this and they'd heat it, put a fire inside of him, inside of his, in, in the middle of him because he was hollow, you know, big brass or something like that. And then they'd put a fire under him and heat him up. And then you guess what they did? They'd throw their babies into his arms and think that that was a way of appeasing the gods and bringing fertility on the land. How bizarre. There were many different idols like that or similar. Baal was no better. In fact, he was probably worse. Folks, our idols today are not just like that, but different. Covetousness is idolatry, the scripture says in Colossians. You know, you can throw your babies into the arms of materialism and affect the same thing. You can prepare idols for yourself many different sorts. Sports can be an idol. You can throw your kids into its arms and it'll devour them. And they never come to the Lord. Peter says, be ye holy for I am holy. He draws on the things that were written in Leviticus. Okay, let's come back to uh, Galatians. Galatians. Not Galatians, Ephesians, sorry. Ephesians chapter 4. We're nearly finished. Ephesians chapter 4. You say, what do you, be holy is not in here. Well, it is. The reading that uh, Greg read for us is all about be holy. Look at verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. So not like Egypt, not like Canaan, in the vanity of their mind. Their minds were darkened and overtaken by idolatry and, and uh, all sorts of sexual deviation. That's the Gentiles' walk. He says, don't do that. But I want you just to point out to you, you know, I, I said to you, am I a doing or a being? I want you to just have a look at how many times the word be is here. You know, Paul is often painted as a, as a negative preacher, isn't he? He's often painted as a severe preacher, a severe, he severely puts things on us and stuff like that. Well, I, don't, I think that's anything from the case. Have a look at, uh, well, starting in verse 14 of, of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children. I want to bring out to you and just show you how often he says be something. Paul doesn't use the words do and don't very much. He never sort of just labours on don't do this or don't do that. But he labours on be, be this or be that. And here in verse 14 he says, be no more children. Toss to and fro. The world will toss you to and fro. Brethren, be, be in the book. (laughs) Be no more children tossed to and fro. The world will belt you around. 
toss you back and forward. It's got a different philosophy every week. In the name of something new. It's not new, it's all old. It's all just like Egypt and like Canaan. It's not new. It's just recycled again. I'm old enough to have seen some cycles in my life already. When I left school, and this is getting off the track bizarrely, I know. But when I left school, and Rhonda will tell you the same, we were being taught then at that point that we were heading into an ice age. The world was getting colder. And some of you will nod. Yeah, I heard that too. And now we're being told it's getting warmer and we're into... Look, 10 years' time, it'll be getting colder again. I tell you, it's true. It just cycles round. Don't get caught up in the philosophies of the world. It's garbage. Okay, unless they get it out of the Bible, it's principally garbage. And it'll just cycle round and round and round and change all the time. Don't be children. Be no more children, he says. Sorry, I put the word don't in there, okay? Paul didn't. He says, be no more children. All right, down to verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be. He doesn't say don't, you know, don't let your spirit do this or don't do that. He says, be. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 26, be angry and sin not. Well, that's a difficult one, isn't it? Verse 20, uh, 32, and be ye kind one to another. You know, we often say to our kids, don't do that. Don't treat like that. No, be ye kind. Be ye kind. I know there's a time for don't. I know that. But I'm just showing you the emphasis in Scripture is always positive. We change from a doing to a being. Be, be. It all begins at be born again. Nicodemus came to Jesus, and we're not going to go there, but John chapter 3. And uh, Nicodemus came to Jesus and Nicodemus was a righteous, well, you'd say a righteous man. Nicodemus was a religious man anyway. He thought he was righteous and yet he came to Jesus. And he learnt the difference between being, a doing and being that night. It might have taken him a few days to cogitate over it. It might have taken him a couple of years before he finally grasped it. Jesus is my Messiah and I must be born again. Be born again. That's where it begins. We can't be a being unto God unless we're first born again. Born again of the Spirit of God. You can't do it yourself. No matter how much striving, Nicodemus sort of come to the end of that. He's come to the conclusion of that. I've strived, I've strived, I've strained to keep the law. I've, I've wanted to be holy or I've wanted to, you know, be righteous, but I just can't. Master, you must be a sent from heaven for no one can do the miracles except you do what did Jesus say well glory be come and follow me and I'll show you more miracles he didn't say that he said you must be born again and he showed him how be be it's all about being not doing Jesus paid the sacrifice for our sin we can't pay it we can't do anything to earn it but we can be born again. Be born again. Paul here says, you know, if you're born again, you can now be kind one to another. Look at chapter 5. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Be. 
Verse 3, but fornication, here it says, you know, all those doings, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, remember covetousness is idolatry. You mean if I covet Brother Rob's car, that I'm, that's a, that I'm an idolater? Yep. Now, I don't covet Brother Rob's car, it's just a bomb. <laughs> no, I don't know, I don't even know what he's driving at the moment. I don't care. Oh, it's a bomb, he says. (laughs) You see, if you covet something, you're an idolater. Okay, that's a doing. He says, get rid of it, get rid of it. So, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. I'm not a doing anymore, I'm a being. I'm a being. Finally a being. Verse 4, neither filthiness nor foolish talking, more doings, nor jesting which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. You say, be thankful is not there, Brother Robert. It's not there, but it's over in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Be ye thankful. Be ye thankful. We've already looked at Peter, haven't we? Be ye holy. Verse 7 of chapter 5, be not ye therefore partakers with them. Verse 17, wherefore be ye not unwise. Verse 18, and be not drunk with wine. It's just all through it. Be. Brethren, am I a doing or a being? I just leave it with you this morning and ask you to ask yourself that question. Am I a doing or a being? And whenever you think of all those sins, I hope you'll think of a dog turd and it'll give you the horrors. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you now and we uh, just pause and we ask that you would just have your way with us. Help us, Lord, to, uh, to remember to remember where we've come from, where you've saved us from, and to remember where you want to take us to. Lord, that we would simply walk with you as beings and not try to be doings anymore. In fact, not try to do at all things which would displease you. So, Lord, just continue to speak to our hearts, we pray. We thank you in Jesus' name.